Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time that. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's going on? Welcome into another edition of RCST. Stands for Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on KLWN. Royals currently are playing right now, leading 4-3 to three over the White Sox. And we're going to have David Lesky of Inside the Crown hop on with us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk to talk a little Royals. We uh, also are going to get to some RCST trivia on today's edition of the show. And we also are going to get to Case of the Mondays, NFL Monday overreactions coming later on as well. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. I uh, am trying to think what the week zero games are. I mean, the best games like Northwestern, Nebraska. Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Come on, man. Yeah, Vanderbilt, Hawaii. I... I feel like both those teams are just terrible, though. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's one of the best games on the on the schedule. Yeah, that's that doesn't speak well. <laughs> that doesn't speak well to what this week zero is. Uh, but you know, you get the Nebraska Northwestern game, which is in like Ireland or something like that. I don't know how that'll affect the game. It could be super windy. That could make it kind of fun. I'll go with. Hmm. I'm just gonna blindly say Northwestern. I don't trust Scott Frost. I know they had all the close losses and everything. Northwestern usually bounces back from bad seasons. Still don't trust Scott Frost. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KLWN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas, which comes in a few weeks. Plus, one customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KLWN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements, one per customer, $100 issued as four $25 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void where prohibited. Ends first day. DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at DKNG.co slash KS. The Kansas City Chiefs won 24-14 over the Washington Commanders over the weekend. And second preseason game, they get their first victory. I, I'm confused. It's hot. Some are saying it's summer. Some are saying we're about to be in fall. You know, you asked the K football players. They were just in fall camp. The real season debate, though, is it fourth season or Watt season? We had Jody Fortson, Justin Watson, both showing up once again for really a second straight preseason game which season is it nick 
I'm going to give you an interesting spin zone on this. Okay. It's Fort season for multiple reasons. One, because of Jody Fortson. But two, because guess who just got their very own Fortnite skin today? That's right. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. <laughs> Therefore, it is 100,000% Fort season, okay. man. I'm re-downloading Fortnite tonight. Gonna <laughs> play it with Patrick Mahomes. Let's ride. Oh, man. Both those guys, though, were so good. You know, Fortson has the two touchdowns. The receiver, the second one was was just incredible play by Patrick Mahomes to just somehow kind of get that off and and get it in there. And with Justin Watson, he continues to make these big plays. Seems to have a good connection. It's tough for Justin Watson because it's like I I think he, at this point, like I feel like he's safely going to make the roster. But still, even if he's quote unquote safely making the roster with Juju, Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, and Marcus Valdez Scantling. Like a best, you're the fifth receiver, which is kind of tough. So, like, how much are you really going to have an impact over the regular season? Uh, unless McCall Hardman is just a gadget guy, then maybe you're the fourth receiver. Maybe there's an injury, you can move up to number three. He certainly seems to have a good chemistry right now with Patrick Mahomes. He's just making plays all over the field. And then, yeah, with Jody Fortson, I I, I think that they were already leaning toward keeping four tight ends because they obviously you're going to keep Kelsey Noah Gray. You, you still used a a draft pick on a couple years ago, and and he hasn't done anything exceptional, but he hasn't done anything wrong either to, to make you lose faith in that. Blake Bell's like your blocking tight end, then Jody Fortson, but then Blake Bell goes down with the injury in week one of preseason. The Chiefs put in a claim on some yeah. tight end. Uh, they didn't get him, uh, who Kendall, was released. Kendall Blanton, I think. Yeah, and yeah. so that's probably a clear indication to me that Blake Bell is obviously has a an injury that's going to keep him out for a while. Yeah. That just further secures Jody Fortson making the roster. I think he probably has a better avenue for a bigger role because he could beat Noah Gray out and be the number two tight end, which you're probably going to get more offensive snaps, targets, and everything than Watson. But both of them have been great. I'm a big fan of seeing more opportunities for the tight end position for Jody Fortson because Travis Kelsey, as great as he is, he's not getting any younger. And I think at this point the Chiefs need to consider the fact that, hey, if we've got a guy who's dynamic at a tight end and can make some big plays in the red zone like Jody Fortson, why not get him out there, especially early in the season, so we can have Travis Kelsey for later in the season. We don't want to wear down Travis Kelsey. I mean, in today's in today's game, the tight end position, it's one of the positions where you're probably taking the most hits in terms of blocking, and then on top of that, obviously, route running and, and catching the ball and whatnot. So I, I'm a big fan of this. I think Jody Fortson, if he continues to blossom, you know, I mean, he's a guy that we just got a tiny taste last season before he tore his Achilles, and clearly he, that hasn't stopped him. He's come back this season and this preseason and has looked really good. So I think it's very exciting for the Chiefs, and I think, as I said, it's an opportunity for them to, to help kind of take some of the load off of Travis Kelsey so that he can stay fresh deeper in the season and for the playoffs. He, I believe, tore that Achilles in the Washington game last year, right? Uh, whatever the first game was, I think. or se- Was I think it, it was, the first game? I think it was like the first game or second game. I could have sworn it was the Washington game. If that's true, that would be a cool redemption arc that, that he had the two touchdowns. I know it's preseason and everything. I Again, though, don't have that confirmed or anything like that. So yeah, it's. I mean, that's kind of what where we're at with the preseason. Like all these takeaways, and, and as great as those guys are, it's also still for guys who are rotational players. You know, it's not for. I mean, I guess if we if we want to look at the the ones and the stars and everything, like the offense looks so damn crisp right now. Yeah, they did two drives with the ones in the game against Washington. If you go back to the Bears game where they just did one drive. That's three drives that the ones have been in on offense. They've scored three touchdowns on every drive. 
Bears and the Commanders aren't teams that and defenses that you look at and say, yeah, they're a top 10 defense in the league, and, and so it, it means more if you're doing it against them. But they've just looked so crisp. It, it just hasn't really looked like there's much resistance. He, uh, Patrick Mahomes has just been so good. He, we, We've seen the on-time plays. We've seen several of the, like, it, not just the touchdown to Jody Fortson, but you also have the other one where he's, like, going back to the left, throws across his body, and they're like, yeah, most guys, you tell them not to do that. But with Mahomes, it's like, yep, do whatever you need to do. So it, it's a small sample. It's just preseason football. I don't really want to overreact. I will say, though, when you look at the biggest flaw of last year's if we want to look at flaw of the offense, because they were still like a really good offense. You were still one of the five best offenses in the NFL, but they weren't the best offense in the NFL. And I don't think you look at last season, and even if you want to go back the year before, where again, they were like a top five offense, but they weren't statistically one of the maybe best or two best. When you have Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, you have Andy Reid, arguably the best offensive play caller in the NFL, and you have all these weapons, even without Tyreek Hill, you're in a situation where you should be, if you do everything right, one of the best offenses every year. And when you look at, again, the flaw that last year's team kind of had, it was it, it, at times maybe getting too lackadaisical or whatever caused, because they had all sorts of turnover troubles early on in the season. Remember all the passes that yep. got tipped off receivers' hands up in the air or Patrick Mahomes made kind of a weird decision or you had just times where it felt like the Chiefs didn't take what the defense gave them. Basically, all of the faults of the offense, while still really good last season, to me came down to internal error. It came down to maybe not having enough commitment to something or maybe not focusing as much as you'd need to, maybe losing some of that edge that you had a couple years ago before you have proven everything by winning a Super Bowl or going to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. And you didn't have that crispness. You didn't have that sharpness last season. And it's only preseason. It's only three drives. But it's hard not to look at what they've done and view that crispness and view that sharpness and view that attention to detail and say, the fact that you were taking this so seriously and having all those things in these preseason games tells me there is a shift in the mindset here. There is a shift in how these players, how Patrick Mahomes, how all these guys are viewing this, headed into this thing, and that they are taking these preseason games as if they are playing in the regular season, as if they are playing in the playoffs because they know the mental preparation and focusing on all those little things is going to get them where they need to be. I have three takeaways Mm -hmm. to go along with what you were discussing. Number one, to your point, Patrick Mahomes in those three drives, 18-26, 222 yards, three touchdowns. I don't. I don't even. I don't know how you could get any better. Like I don't even know how you how nope. you could have a better stat line in three drives over the course of two games. Number two, and something you did more against the Commanders. The one area where Patrick Mahomes or where we haven't seen Patrick Mahomes do a lot of has been back shoulder throws to the sidelines. We he doesn't. That, that hasn't necessarily been something that he's done a lot of. And I wonder how much of that is like a personnel thing. Yeah. Or, you know, or they haven't had. You're not going to throw back shoulder fade to Tyreek Hill, right? Yeah. 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 I, I understand that. But we we saw some of that against the Commanders. Mm-hmm. We did. So maybe that's a new facet to. Which again, I think they have better personnel to do it. Like yeah. Juju, big body. I know he didn't yeah. play. MVS, MVS, big body, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's another facet to to the game. Now, the one negative here I will say though is the run game looks 
questionable to bad at best mm-hmm. so far, uh, which is which is concerning. But other than that, I, I have to agree with you. I think that the, the Chiefs' offense they they look focused, they look determined. I know it's as you said, it's just preseason, but. But last week I was just talking about, oh, well, well what if the Chiefs start slow? <laughs> well, this Chiefs team that we've seen, they're not, they're not starting slow, uh, which is which is really exciting to see. So yeah, Mahomes clearly looks like he's 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 dialed in and he he wants to go back out and, and prove, you know, it's it's in today's sports world. I mean, you know the Derek. In today's sports world, it's it's what have you done lately? And people so easily and so quickly forget. The talent level of guys. Not, I'm not just talking about Mahomes. I'm just saying in general. You know, you see it all. You see it happen all the time where there's one, a couple bad stretch of games or a bad season, and people suddenly seem to forget the talent level of some of these guys. Well, it kind of feels like that with Mahomes a little bit. I mean, all of a sudden, everyone wants to jump on the Justin Herbert bandwagon. Everybody wants to. Now you got Russell Wilson in the division. Derek Carr's got Devontae Adams. Oh, what's going on there? But still, Mahomes is still here, and clearly he still has the talent. Clearly he still has the determination, and he's looked phenomenal. And so that's it. That's really exciting to see for Chiefs fans. And again, I think the run game it, it looked it looked bad. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. did not look good at all. Yeah, and it wasn't just. A, I mean, we know the offensive line did a really good job run blocking last season. And so I don't know how much of the the running game not getting going was the offensive line. I I kind of have a hard time believing it. It was. I, I know there were a couple clips I saw go yeah. out there, like one that Jeff Schwartz uh, was talked it the about. Pacheco one where there was that one as well. Yeah, where he where Mahomes is like literally pointing for, yeah. the, for him to There's run like right. A huge hole. And he just runs straight up the middle. Yes. And there, there was another one where it was like the offensive line. This is the one that Jeff Schwartz was talking about where former like NFL offensive lineman where the Chiefs offensive line gets like a legit three or four yard push. And it's like a three or four yard gain, meaning they got that big of a hole for the running back to get going, and he didn't gain like any extra yards. So that that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, I think that that Jet McKinnon last year in the the postseason and that like finality to the regular season with like the Broncos game, I think he did the best job running between the offensive line. But the problem is, I don't know that you can expect Jet McKinnon to be healthy for a full season. You know what I mean? And I think what we've seen, especially in that game. Uh, the other day, Jet McKinnon was like the third down back, and that would be a way of keeping him healthy over the course of the season because he's not getting 15, 20 touches per game that you have to worry about that. I think you saw CEH a lot as the starter. Pacheco kind of rotated in at different times, and yeah, there's there's not like that clear guy at running back, and you know that's the one position on the offense. Like If you were telling me you have Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, what position, offensive line, receiver, or running backs, would you want to be your quote-unquote weakness? I would say just make it the running backs, right? Yeah. So from that standpoint, it's it's very manageable. It just is unfortunate because you do have a good enough offensive line. You do have a good enough passing game that seem to open these things up. And I think that's just going to be a conversation that, you know, these running backs aren't good enough really all season long. Yeah, and I think on the Isaiah Pacheco aspect of things, it finally is starting to feel like the – the training camp just hype is starting to wear off a little bit uh, for a lot of fans. I mean, here's this guy came in as a seventh round pick, and all of a sudden, people think he's rookie of the year <laughs> after a week and a half of training camp. And it feels like that's finally starting to kind of run out of steam a little bit. Not not to say that like he's bad, a bad player or anything, but just to say like now I think we're in a situation where we can realistically say, okay. What is this guy's impact going to be in the offense? Is he going to be a rotational guy? Is he going to be somebody that can challenge Clyde Edwards-Alaire for actual starting snaps? And I think for the time being, Clyde is certainly certainly number one. 
Uh, but but it's not like Clyde's been very great so far this season. So he or in the preseason. So he's gonna have to he's gonna have to figure it out. But yeah, I I think Pacheco is certainly an exciting piece, and I think considering that he was a seventh round pick and that he's had this much hype and he's played this well in training camp and now kind of in the preseason a little bit, that's really exciting. And obviously he's a guy when you get that kind of value, especially at the running back position, it's it's great. I do want to touch on the defense briefly here. Thought they looked solid again. There were a couple drives that Carson Wentz got up around midfield, and then they kind of shut him down from there. And I think you feel even better about the linebackers. Like, week one, I thought Willie Gay was one of the most noticeable, like, in a positive way. Players on the field for the Chiefs defense, he was just flying around, looked super fast, super athletic, making tackles. This week, it was Nick Bolton. He was doing the same thing, flying around, making plays, making tackles. He's obviously going to be the center of that defense. He's got the green dot on and calling the plays for everything. Um I think that's going to be a really good one-two punch at the linebacker core. And, you know, I I think that in today's NFL, we've almost... It, it's not to the point of what we've done with running backs, I would say, but certainly, like, corners and pass rushers have been... Like, it's just so important to have those with the way that the NFL has gone and yeah. passing and everything that I almost feel like at times we've undersold the importance of having a good linebacking core and the Chiefs haven't had that for a few years nope and it seems like they do now and so even if you want to say well linebackers aren't going to be the big determining factor for you on pass coverage downs and everything okay that's fine but the Chiefs have been bad against the run for a last handful of years as a defense as well and that's going to help with that so seeing those guys have their flashes and, and having different moments again in a small sample size that it, it means something to me. Karloftis has looked pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good so far. It's just what's and noticeable that, with him to me is that he's not going to be the strongest or the fastest guy in the field. I mean, he's still very strong and very fast, especially yeah. compared to like me or you. But like <laughs> that dude's just relentless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he yeah. doesn't stop. The sack that he got against Washington, the, that, that was won. all effort. Yeah. 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 So that brings this, me this question to you, Derek. It seems like Karloftis is. Maybe the real deal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you got Koloftis, you got Chris Jones, you got Carlos Dunlap, who allegedly is dealing with an Achilles injury right now, which is a bit, Not a bit great. concerning. But you have Karloftis, everyone when everyone's healthy, you have Karloftis, Chris Jones, Carlos Dunlap, Frank Clark, potentially the best Chiefs pass mm -hmm. rush since dot 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 question mark when. <sighs> okay, so I mean if we go back to the Super Bowl season in twenty nineteen, you had like a good season of Frank Clark which I would take that version of Frank Clark, which got nearly, I, I want to say he had like eight and a half sacks, something like that, and, and had a big postseason. It, that Frank Clark is probably still better than this Frank Clark. Is that Chris Jones better or just equal to this Chris Jones? We'll, we'll just say equal, just for the sake. I don't know. Yeah. You'd yeah. probably argue either way. Maybe a little better. Yeah. Um, last season. But who else did that team have? Like Mike Pennell was a uh, run-stopping defensive lineman. You had what, like Alex Okafer, who was fine. Was Emmanuel Ogba still on that team, or I, I think he had left by then. Yeah, I don't think he was on there. Yeah, so that probably. Um, do you have to go back to you know Justin <laughs> Houston and Tom Bali? I, I mean, I I kind of feel like you do. I mean, the Chiefs have not had this many dynamic pass rushers or guys that you felt like could get a sack on any given third down, maybe since that time period. Yeah, right. Well, even that that. You know, Justin Houston, Tom Bali. Maybe you'd have to go back to Justin Houston, Tom Bali, and Dantari Poe, you know, when they were all kind of yeah. kind of kicking and going for you. Because that, to your point, 
even if the just the pairing of Justin Houston and Tom Bali were just better in terms of totaling sacks, like you had the year where Justin Houston had twenty whatever sacks. Um just in terms of what you're saying about the amount of options that you have as pass rushers, where it's hard because who do you double team in those situations? Kind of the same idea of like the Chiefs receiving court. It's more balanced. How do you key in on that defensively? Yeah, I think from a depth standpoint of pass rush, this this is the best they've had in, in a while. But but even even to your point though, when you look at like when you think about Tom Bahali and Justin Houston, it it was like any third down where the other team was passing, you felt like it could be a sack mm-hmm. for either one of those guys, right? For this group. I guess right now you'd say Chris Jones is the only guy that really qualifies for that category. I mean, Frank Clark has been not anything special lately. Carlos Dunlap is a, a solid pass rusher and, and certainly an improvement for what the Chiefs had in the past, but is he a bona fide third down, okay, this guy can get a sack any time player? Probably not right now. And then obviously Carl Loftus is a rookie, so we got to wait and see with him. No, but it does have a lot of potential to be one of their better, and at least a lot better than last season. I mean, you still have to wait and see. Like yeah. you said, the Dunlap injury, that's going to be very big, but also... Yeah, Achilles injuries are concerning. Yeah, especially for a guy who's in his what, early, mid-30s, something like that. But yeah. if Karloff, this... Hey, two sacks so far in preseason. If he gets a sack every game, I think the Chiefs' pass rush is going to be okay. <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. KU has a former friend, the basketball team, coming back to uh, the program. We'll talk about it next. RCST Trivia back for another week, and this is the final week of the regular season. The next week we have the bowl matchups. We have the playoff once again, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, and Jayhawk Trophy, and uh, some of our prizes for those bowl games. We have gift cards to 23rd Street Brewery. We have gift cards to Johnny's Tavern. We have engraved tumblers from Jayhawk Trophy. Obviously, the winner is going to get our championship trophy from Jayhawk Trophy, and the winner will also get some KU football gear to 23rd Street Brewery. Uh, the winner will be in the playoff. But everybody who makes a bowl game going to have an opportunity to compete for some prizes. So our Monday group here today, this is a very contested division, as most of them are. Uh, the Wednesday group is the only one that, that has a clinch so far. And we have Blake, Jim, and Aaron all sitting at 2-1 and one atop the division. Kyle Martin then at 2-2. Two and two. Then you have Andrew Wymore at 0-3. Oh Aaron, Aaron and Andrew are going to battle up next. But uh, for this one, between our seventh-ranked team, Jim Scherer, and a team receiving votes in the top 10, Blake McFarland. If Jim wins, he clinches the division because he has the head-to-head over Aaron. If Blake wins this matchup, then he's waiting on the Aaron matchup because Aaron has the head-to-head over Blake, and then Blake would be secured a top two seed, so he would at least secure a bowl game, but he would need Aaron to lose to make the playoff. Now, if Jim wins this, um, then things are going to get it's, it's not just that Jim would clinch the one seed. Things could get weird for who gets the two if Aaron were to lose to Andrew, but we'll focus on that as, as part of the second matchup based on what happens here in this one. So, uh, Jim, we'll start with you here. You do control your own destiny by being able to win and going to the playoff. What are your thoughts headed into this matchup? How much studying did you do over the weekend? Uh uh, Derek, I, I I won't lie to you. I haven't slept since uh, since last Monday. Um, you know, I kind of uh, manufactured my own kind of like hyper hyperbaric chamber and just uh, have been watching uh, nothing but KU highlights on YouTube. Um, I'm tired and I'm seeing things, but other than that, I feel pretty good. Well, Blake, uh, what about you? You uh, come off that big win last week over Kyle to stay alive for this thing to either get a bull bid or to still possibly win the division. Did you do some extra studying over the weekend? 
Literally none. Just going off what's in the brain here, so we'll see what happens. That's what I've done every week so far. You know, it's worked for a couple of matchups. It hasn't worked for one. Uh, we'll see how it works for today. Jim's a great opponent, so uh, we'll see what he what he has in store for me. And uh, I've got low expectations, but we'll see what happens. And uh, Jim, uh, obviously with a chance to, you know, like I said, win the division and, and have everything in front of you, go to the college football playoff and whatnot, have you gotten any support from – you know, we know you have a couple friends in this event, whether it's Kyle, whether it's Andrew Filer. Have they given you support or are they more razzing you uh, about, you know, the pressure that comes into this matchup? Uh, Kyle's gone full Apollo Creed, uh, Rocky three style. So it's been it's been helpful for sure. So. Love it. Well, uh, uh, maybe we'll see some montages on, on Twitter from you a little bit later that come out. Uh, Blake, have you had any support, any help from from anyone around this, or are you just relying on all yourself? You know, we're, we're kind of a lone wolf in this. I'd say uh, my uh, my high school friend and college friend, Scott Chasen, has been an emotional support tool. Uh, but, you know, that's pretty limited. I think even Scott would admit that. He's been pretty limited in his support towards me, which is understandable with how he uh, he handles things. But, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to move forward and be ready to go here in a little bit. Okay, so uh, I had a coin that was just sitting out here in the studio that I had been using to flip coins. Somebody took it. So somebody was like, hey, free 25 cents, and they took it. So I don't have the coin anymore. I do have a, a uh, coin app on my iPhone. So um, I guess, Blake, I'll, I'll give you the coin toss here. Do you want heads or do you want tails? Tails never fails. All right. It is heads, so uh, it is. Failed. I feel like that's been the kiss of death. When people have picked tails, it comes up tails. But when they say the tails never fails, and most of the time I've been the one saying it, it hasn't come up that way. So, Jim, uh, you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, I'd like to go second. Okay. That means, Blake, you were up first, which I think was your recipe for success last week as well. And uh, mm-hmm. we go four quarters of action. We will start in the easy round of play. These are worth three points in the first quarter. Blake. The first points that Kansas scored in the 2008 Orange Bowl were on a 60-yard pick six by what player? Keep Tlaib, and he felt like Dion. Yes, he did. Was just going to add that if you didn't on your own. He uh, was feeling like Dion to help KU get the victory there and scored the first points. 3-0 the score. Jim, first easy question for you to try to match. Jim, the first offensive points scored by Kansas in the 2008 Orange Bowl were on a touchdown pass thrown by what Jayhawk? Todd Reesing. That is correct. Todd Reesing had the uh, one touchdown pass in the game, and that ties the score at 3-3. Three to three. Okay, into the medium round of questions. Second quarter of play. These are worth six points. We'll go to you first, Blake. Ranking seventh on the all-time Kansas rushing list, is this pro football Hall of Famer and power running back who played from 1968 to 1970? Riggins. That's right. John Riggins, the correct answer there. He was uh, quite the powerful runner. Okay. Nine to three. Blake leads it. Jim, here's your medium question for six points to try to tie it going into the halftime break. Jim, who led Kansas in rushing yards? in the 2008 Orange Bowl with 75 of them. Brandon McAnderson. It was 
Some people might guess Jake Sharp there, or maybe you think that, I don't know, Todd Reesing had a big running game or something. But, yeah, Brandon McAnderson led the team in rushing yards in that game. All right, 9-9 to the score. We head into the third quarter of play. These are worth seven points. Now things are going to start to get intense here with the hard round. Blake, for you first. Who is the Kansas running backs coach for 2022? Alabrowski, he's the quarterback's coach, right? So, Got 10 um, seconds. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, it's Co- Coach Z, which is wrong. Yeah, Coach Zabrowski is the quarterback's coach. The correct answer is Jonathan Wallace. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Jim, this one for you to take a lead headed into the fourth quarter, also worth seven points. Jim. Who is the Kansas linebackers coach for 2022? Mm. Uh, uh, Puddlenicky. I know it's wrong. Yeah, Kodalnicki, the offensive coordinator and yeah. tight ends coach. Yeah. The correct answer is Chris Simpson. Oh, damn. Okay. All right. Nine to nine the score. A really hard round. Could decide it. Otherwise, we'll go to overtime in this big matchup here. Blake, this for you in the really hard round of the fourth quarter for eight points. Blake, in KU's undefeated 1899 season, in which they went 10 and 0, they beat three different schools twice in the same season name one of the three washburn washburn is one of the correct answers that's a big hit for you and you take a 17 to 9 lead and hit the really hard all right jim you gotta hit this to force overtime and keep your chances alive jim in ku's undefeated 1899 season in which they went 10 and 0 they beat three different schools two times in the same season. Outside of Washburn, name one of the other two schools. Emporia State. The correct answers were Haskell or Ottawa. Oh. Haskell or Ottawa. And just like that, Blake has pulled off the really hard victory. Getting, I, I believe, uh, your first really hard answer correct. That's important for the Heisman voting and everything. But most importantly, you come out victorious here, 17-9. to 9. So, Blake, thoughts on your big triumph here? I mean, honestly, Jim, I got lucky on the last one. I was going to say, I was thinking there, I knew they didn't play anyone. Like, I think they only played Mizzou maybe once in K-State, or it probably was Kansas A&M then. Uh so just so you know, in between my head, it was Washburn, or for some reason, I was going to go with Haskell just because I know KU used to play Haskell a lot. So yeah. that one is completely a rabbit out of the hat there, so don't don't feel bad on that. Uh, I should have got the running backs coach. That's that's on me. So, Coach Leipold, if, uh, if you uh, <laughs> want to make me run some sprints, I'm happy to swing by the practice facility and do that. But I'm excited and glad I made a bowl game here. Yeah, you, you have clinched the bowl game, and now you await, you root for Andrew Wymore to try to pull the upset on uh, Aaron Mayer. 
Aaron, I'm sure, is is cheering this on in, in the idea that uh, he now controls his own destiny. Jim, meanwhile, for you, what went wrong there? Which is the question that you're going to look back on and, and really kick yourself over the most? Uh, probably that last one, actually. Was that one right, that, if I'm, if that I'm you being honest, knew? Yeah. Oh. After hearing uh, the answers, did you feel like you should have got it? Um, no, because I'll, I'll be honest. I had, I had, I had no idea. Like I was just looking at this before I got on the call and I'm like, yeah, there's a YMCA club in there. Like, okay, maybe it's going to be something off the wall like that. And then, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was praying and apparently I have been struck down by lightning. So, <laughs> well, Jim, you're, you're not completely eliminated from a bowl game. So if, if Andrew upsets Aaron, then not only would Blake win the division, so you're basically both rooting against Aaron here, but then it would create a three-way tie between yourself, Kyle, and Aaron, all at two and two. And I'd have to go and look at the head-to-head, but I believe that would be a triangle to where it would all come down to total points. And with your nine today, it brings you up to 54, which would put you ahead of Kyle. So it would kind of depend on on what Aaron does here. You, you need him to have a low-scoring week in addition to, to possibly losing the matchup. But it also at least puts you in the running to you could still finish top three. I don't know. A lot of it's going to come down to the tiebreakers here, what happens in the next matchup. So uh, yeah. would either of you guys like to I'll, – I'll start with you, Blake, and then, Jim, you can finish off here. Uh, leave a, a strong word of advice for Andrew to try to upset Aaron here. I mean, I wish he had a phone of friends, you know. <laughs> I'm committed to the game here. Um, but, no, I mean, dude, just relax. You know, distract your opponent, maybe get your dog barking or something if you have a dog or accidentally lose connection or something in the middle of this. Like, I'm not saying cheat. I'm just not saying, you know, don't be afraid to. (laughs) Well, Jim, you got any uh, words of encouragement for Andrew here? Andrew, if you beat Aaron, I'll buy you a beer at homecoming. (laughs) All right. I love it. Little, uh, little strategy from Blake and a little encouragement with, uh, some, some, I don't know. Bribery is not the right word because that's not, you know, anything illegal, but uh, from Jim there. So, guys, good job, Jim. Great season. Uh, We'll we'll see if things work out for you with the tiebreaker here. But, Blake, at the very least, we'll see you next week in some form or fashion. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Derek. Great work on this one. And uh, I'll see you in the playoff. I mean, that's that's the ultimate comeback story, right? Like that was the whole idea of the structure of this event, the idea that you could lose a matchup, especially early, which happened to Blake. Blake lost his very first matchup. He was on bye week, week one. He only scored three points in week two. He did have some tough questions that, you know, maybe you could argue his medium leaned more toward hard and maybe his hard leaned more toward really hard. And so that does kind of matter in all this, but he only scored three points, lost the first matchup. And, you know, you're kind of like, ah, well, there go my chances. But that's the beauty of this event versus the basketball one. You could have that matchup and then all of a sudden, you win your next three. Blake battled back. He's now 3-1. and one. At the very least, he's going to a bowl game. Still has a chance to make the playoff. Will he do it? We'll find out next. That Aaron Mayer matchup, which was his first matchup, could end up being the kiss of death that keeps him out of the playoff because Aaron defeated him. I forget what the final score where was there. I think it was 16-3, to three, something like that. I know Blake feels that he uh, got the, the shaft on the questions in that matchup. Otherwise, maybe he'd be 4-0, and oh, although... I know Aaron knew the answers to the ones that Blake got wrong in, in that matchup, so if the questions came the other way, I'm not sure it would have mattered much for that specific matchup. But nonetheless, Aaron controls his destiny next, taking on Andrew Wymore, trying to play a little spoiler.
on, uh, we'll call it Senior Day for Andrew Wymore. I think it makes it more intense to do so. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Trivia on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Second trivia matchup of the day, the final one of the Monday division. Our earlier matchup saw Blake defeat Jim, which, you know, for, for Aaron, that's what he was rooting for. If Jim would have won the matchup, he would have clinched the Monday division because he had to have, had the head-to-head over Aaron. Blake gets the victory. Now that means Aaron, the pressure is on him because he controls his destiny. If he wins this matchup, he clinches the Monday division because he has the head-to-head over Blake. Aaron, if he loses, would drop into a three-way tie for second, and then it would come down to points. So, Aaron, you got to at least score six points in this matchup, even if you lose, to clinch the bull bid. So that's what you're looking at today. Win gets you the division, six points, and a loss gets you the bull bid at least in second. Andrew, meanwhile, is playing spoiler. He has the opportunity to uh, – Jim said he's going to buy you a beer if you win this matchup. Uh you know, you would become Blake's favorite contestant in this event. You would be the hero to a lot of people if you end up winning this thing and keeping Aaron out of the playoff and, and possibly even a bowl game, depending how he does with the points and everything. So uh, a lot is at stake in this matchup. Aaron, I'm going to start with you. You are ranked fourth in the trivia top 10 right now. You have everything in front of you that you could have wanted, especially after having that loss uh, to Jim, whatever it was, a week ago or, or two weeks ago. Knowing all this and knowing all the pressure, what are your nerve levels? Do, do you have butterflies coming into this event? Uh, nerve levels are sky high right now. Um, this is a trap game for sure with Andrew being 0-3. I know he knows his stuff. He's just got some bad luck on some questions. But, man, it, it's no offense, Andrew. It would be, it'd be really bad if I lost this when I got – it's wide open for me to, to win the division. And if I lose an 0-3 team, it just it's a bad look. You, I feel like Texas. That's <laughs> what it feels like to be Texas. Well, Aaron, I, I did want to at least discount some stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I was talking with Blake earlier before the first matchup, and he was saying, man, how easily it could have turned. We had that first matchup, me and Aaron, and I lost. And I felt like if the questions would have been reversed the other way, that I could have won that matchup. But uh, you kind of cut up in that matchup. You, you knew the answers to the ones that he got wrong in that one, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure how much it, it would have mattered there just to kind of quell any any possible controversy here. Uh, Andrew, meanwhile, like I said, you have the chance to play spoiler. You, you can't go to a bowl game or anything like that, but this is your opportunity to essentially, you know, not that Aaron is your rival or anything, but to beat the school's rival at the end of the season to to have that launching pad victory and, and to feel good about yourself headed into the uh, off season here before next year. So what are, what's your mindset and thoughts headed into this matchup? Yeah, Derek, you know, obviously this was not the position that we were expecting or hoping to be in at this point in the year, but I've been so proud of the guys this week. We've had a terrific week of practice or best week of practice uh, of the season and, you know, we had the buy there, so the, which you know came at a terrific time for us. So, um, you know, all along we've just said that we we're going to keep sawing wood and focus on what's ahead of us. Have you done extra studying during the bye week and over the weekend, or because of the record and not having as much stakes, has there been a little less studying? No, like like I said, Derek, it's been by far our best uh, uh, week of prep um, of the season. So. Um, we 
we think we're ready to go. Mm -hmm. All right, this is what they say, you know, don't, don't pay attention to the records in rivalry games. I know, like I said, this isn't like a real rivalry, but I think that's kind of how this matchup is. So, uh, Aaron, uh, you have everything riding on this. I'm going to give you the option. Do you want heads or tails on the coin toss? Heads. It is tails. So, Andrew, you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? First. All right, quick answer there. He wants to get these done right off the bat. We'll start in the easy round of questions. These are worth three points in the first quarter. First up, Andrew. KU was led in rushing yards in 1963 by what star running back who wound up being a pro football Hall of Famer with the Chicago Bears? The Kansas Comet, Gale Sayers. That's right. Great nickname as well. Gale Sayers, the correct answer there. <laughs> Absolute beast of a running back for KU. Okay, Aaron, for you, let's try to tie this worth three points in the first quarter of play. KU was led in receiving yards in the 2008 season by what star receiver from Dallas, Texas, who notched over 1,400 yards? Desmond Briscoe. Desmond Briscoe, the correct answer. Quite a couple seasons to finish out for KU. All right, easy ones there, knocked out. Three to three, the score. We are all tied up. Going into the second quarter of play. These are worth six points. Andrew, we'll start with you in the medium round. In 2009, Kansas was tied 28-28 to with Southern Miss in their fourth game of the season headed into the fourth quarter before Todd Reesing found what wide receiver for the winning touchdown as part of his 10-catch game? I'll say Kerry Meyer. Kerry Meyer is the correct answer. He had a big game there and had the eventual game-winning touchdown. All right, six points for Andrew. He oh, leads. That's that game. Well, there you go. Did you do you remember that touchdown? No. Oh. <laughs> well, nine to three worked out anyway. Okay, Aaron. Chance for you to tie it headed into the halftime break. Wearing the jersey number eight, this Jayhawk linebacker totaled double-digit tackles four times in the 2007 season while racking up 15 tackles for the loss on the year. What's his name? Joe Mortensen. Joe Mortensen is the correct answer there. He had a couple really good linebackers on that team. That was what, Mortensen, Holtz, and uh, he was certainly a stud. All right, six points there. We are tied 9-9, nine to nine, headed into the third quarter. These are worth seven points into the hard round of questions. Back to you, Andrew. Kansas earned a bid to the Sun Bowl in 1975, but lost 33-19 to against what opponent? Uh, UTEP? That's not a bad guess because the Sun Bowl is played there. So, you know, just go with the home team, maybe uh, getting a, a close road trip. The correct answer is Pittsburgh. I'm trying to think if Tony Dorsett would have been on that team. But, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh is the correct answer there. All right, Aaron, here's your chance. Well, here's... Yeah, No, no, not that one. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Aaron, along that 1975 same season, KU's highest-ranked victory by AP poll came against what opponent? So the highest-ranked AP team they beat. Let's just go Kansas State. 
You're going to be kicking yourself for this one. The correct answer is number two, Oklahoma. And it was very notable because they won at Oklahoma. And that Oklahoma team went on, I believe, to win the national title. So 23-3 to was the final there. KU gave them kind of a butt kicking. Okay. We are all tied up, headed into the fourth quarter. 9-9 to the score, into the hard round. If neither one of you gets this, we go to overtime. Andrew. Who won the 1961 Blue Bonnet Bowl MVP for Kansas? Gail Sayers? Hey, toss out a name you know, and uh, I'm trying to think if he would have been a freshman on that team. The correct answer, though, is Ken Coleman. Ken Coleman. Okay, Aaron, chance to walk it off, get a really hard round question correct. Obviously, beyond you know the the team success and everything, the individual stuff, uh, the really hards matter. You have one really hard correct answer. Only two, Andrew Filer and Justin Nichols have two, so uh, a chance to to move along the uh, Heisman leaderboard in addition to earning the victory and clinching the division. Otherwise, we go to overtime. Aaron, despite losing. What Jayhawk won MVP of the 1969 Orange Bowl? Oh, no, I should know this. (sighs) Ten seconds. Uh, We'll go Bobby Douglas. Again, good answer. Get it, get a name out there that you know and, and would have been right around those those years. The correct answer, though, is Donnie Shanklin. All right. Nine to nine the score. That's why those are really hard. They're just really hard. We're going to pick up the intensity with the music and everything. So, Aaron, I gave you the first coin toss. Andrew, I'm going to give you the second coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Heads. It is tails once again. So now Aaron has the choice. And just to be clear with the overtime rules once again, which uh, Aaron and Andrew, I believe this is the first overtime matchup for both you guys, if I'm correct there. or No, Andrew, that's right. Andrew, I think, did you miss the, the first question and then the next guy got to, to answer the easy, I believe, is, is what happened there. Okay, so uh, overtime rules. Aaron, you're going to have the choice of going first or second here. And if you go first, you'll pick what category you want to answer in. Guy who goes second will either have the opportunity to hit an easy if you miss or try to answer the same, keep it going, or a harder one to try to get the win. If you choose to go second, you'll have the option to react. So, Aaron, do you want to go first or second? Second. Okay, that means, Andrew, you have uh, a chance to repeat history here, but but do a little better than you uh, did the, the last go-around. So, what category do you want to answer a question in? Six. Okay, the medium round for six points in first overtime. Andrew, for you. This Jayhawk corner played at KU from 2007 to 2010 and ranks third in school history in total tackles by a defensive back with 290 of them. Chris Harris. Chris Harris is the right answer and puts you ahead in overtime by six points, 15 to nine. All right, Aaron, this is got to have a lot of I don't know. I think I can say this on the radio. If not, someone will tell me later. You got to have a lot of balls on this decision here. Um, 
Do you go for the medium, keep it alive? Do you go for the hard and go for the win and go for the division? What is your option? Oh, Eric, don't get, don't put that, don't say that <laughs> comment. That, I always told myself I'd go hard, but man. It's a lot tougher this. when everything is on the line if you go I hard. know, right? I, I Come on, Aaron, go hard. These hard questions. Go I'll big. Go, I'll go medium. I'll go medium okay. for now. All right, medium it is. Aaron, to stay alive, name this KU quarterback who led the 2011 Jayhawks in passing yards with over 1,800 and passing touchdowns with 13 of them. 2011? Yes. Jordan Webb? Jordan Webb is the correct answer. And just like that, we're headed to double OT. 15 to 15, the score, and now the order, just like college overtime, reverses back over everything on the line here. And uh, what a great day of trivia we've had so far today okay so we uh now go to you aaron and you have the first choice of what category you want to pick out of go medium again okay medium it is aaron name this kansas running back receiver hybrid who was second on the 2012 jayhawks in rushing yards and second in receiving yards tony pearson tony pearson the correct answer there that gives you another big six points andrew would you like to go for the win, or would you like to try to force another overtime? Come on, Andrew. Come on. Going to go for the tie. <laughs> All right, going for the tie. We stick in the medium round. This is We had a four-overtime matchup that they just kept sticking in the medium uh, a week ago. That was uh, quite the matchup. Andrew, for you to stay alive as Jim and Blake cheer you on, although I think at this point, sorry, Jim, I believe uh, Aaron has, has passed the points minimum, so just Blake cheering you on. All right, Andrew. Playing at KU from 2015 to 2017, this Jayhawk defensive end recorded 15 and a half sacks in his career before becoming a fourth-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. Was that Dorrance Armstrong? That was Dorrance Armstrong. And just like that, we'll go to third overtime. The score is 21 to 21. And now, Andrew, once again, you have the option of the first pick here. Are we stick in the medium? Medium. All right, Andrew. Playing at KU from 2011 to 2014, this Jayhawk linebacker was a fifth-round pick of the Oakland Raiders. 2011 to 2015. Oh, gosh. Uh, ben Heaney. That is the correct answer once again. Ben Heaney there gets you the uh, big points on that one. Okay. So now, Aaron, once again, same decision you had in first overtime. Would you like to go for the win or keep it alive in the medium? Man, I hate this. I really want it. I knew his hard question. Let's, let's stay with the medium for now. Okay. Aaron, who led the 2011 Jayhawks in rushing yards with 727 of them? James Sims. James Sims, the correct answer. Those uh, mid and early 2010s Jayhawks questions popular here on this edition. And just like that, we go to fourth overtime, which now ties our trivia record. And Aaron, back to you with the choice of what category you want to answer out of. Well, you said we tied the record. Let's break it, Andrew. Let's go medium again. <laughs> okay. Aaron, in what season did Kansas average? If you want to break it, let's just go with Whoa. the field goal. Okay, Aaron, in what season 
did Kansas average their most passing yards per game with over 300 of 10 of them per game. They did it under Mark Mangino. 2007? That is incorrect. The correct answer is 2009 when they averaged their most passing yards per game. Got behind in games, maybe. We're throwing a little bit more. And just like that, Andrew, all you got to do is answer a correct question, and you get the victory here, and you cause chaos in the RCST trivia world. So do you want to go for the medium for the style points, or are you going to go into the easy round? Like I told Aaron, uh, we're going to go with the field goal. Okay. Field goal it is. This is uh, for the victory and to send shockwaves into RCST Trivia in the Monday Division. Andrew, how many games did Kansas win in 2010, the first year of Turner Gill? One. The correct answer is three. (laughs) My goodness, man. All right. Fifth overtime. This is a new record. And uh, it's not fun anymore. I think I've lost count. Uh, Andrew, I believe it's your choice of what category to go into. Well, gosh, I couldn't hit the easy one. Uh, Medium. All right. Medium for you, Andrew. (laughs) Man, I'm running out of questions. All right. Wearing number 25, this Kansas safety logged 72. Yep. Daryl Stuckey is the correct answer there. Back on the winning ways. And in fifth overtime, Aaron, do you try to continue or do you try to end it? I hate this so much, Dirk. Uh... So much is on the line. This is not fun. I want him to miss a medium question. <sighs> let's get this over with. Let's, let's go hard. Okay. This is for the win or the loss, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> All right, Aaron, wearing number 13, this Jayhawk returned two kicks for a touchdown in the 2007-2008 season. What's his name? Dexton Fields. Correct answer is, I think, one that you had earlier. It was Marcus Herford. Yep. Gosh dang it. That stings. That stings, doesn't it? I said this wasn't fun. (laughs) (laughs) I got to a bowl game, though. That's that's all that matters. You did get to a bowl game, which you're going to have an opportunity to compete for prizes. Andrew, I mean... Uh, great that this was your last matchup because you've got to be absolutely exhausted. Uh, that's great victory to end the season. Yeah, so, so uh, I know you're going to ask. Uh, I, I did know uh, the answer to uh, Aaron's question there, and I was surprised that, that was a hard question. All-American that year, Marcus Herford. Um, but, you know, I just want to uh, congratulate our, our guys that just stuck with it all season, you know, after last game, we started hearing some of the stick to basketball uh, <laughs> chants coming out of the visitor section there, and um, you know they really took that to heart. And and uh, we we've known that we were a better team than this all season, um, so we're happy to 
go out this way and uh, get into the offseason and start looking forward to next year. Oh, yeah, that's that's got to be a springboard victory. Is that a uh, program-defining victory? That's a program win, Derek, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, I, I, I'm sorry to you know have to stick the microphone and interview after a tough loss because I'm sure this one hurts. I'm, I'm sure it's tough. So, I, I mean, is there any... Is there any promise of this that it's, you know, if you would have said before this event started, hey, I'm going to get to play in a bowl game. Like, if you look at the big picture, you probably would be happy with that, right? But given how close you were, it's got to be pretty tough, right? It's pretty tough. I, I thought about going the Bill Belichick route in the interview and just saying, sure. <laughs> I, I'm upset. This sucks. I, I had it right in front of me to win the division. Started out 2-0. Man. Yeah. Well. Aaron, this has been fun, though, Derek. This, this trivia, it's a lot of fun, though. So. I, I, I'm glad you said that, especially after how this one went. But we certainly know you know your stuff, and uh, you'll be in a bowl game, so you'll still have an opportunity to win prizes and everything, which which is cool about this. Andrew, good win to finish things out. So, Aaron, we'll talk to you next week. Andrew, good season, man. Thanks, Derek, and thank you uh, for doing this as well, like Aaron said. Looking forward to next year. Oh, that's tough. And Aaron knew the answer to the uh, Pittsburgh one that went to Andrew. So the, the order of questions might have hurt him a little bit there. And I'm sure for him, he was like, well, I lost the matchup when the easy question was going to go to Andrew. And you could probably argue that the the one that Andrew got in the easy round, maybe that was more of a medium. You could also probably argue that the hard one that, I don't know, uh, Andrew was saying he thought the hard one was was probably not quite hard. I think that's one of those what that's a perfect example of like, Again, I say this all the time in trivia. If you know it, it's easy. If you don't know it, it's not. So, like, if you know Marcus Herford wore number 13 and returned those kicks that season, like, it's easy. But if you don't, it's not a name that, like, it's not Desmond Briscoe or Todd Reesing where it's a common name. So that's kind of one of those that's in the gray area. But in the end, Andrew wins 33-27 through five overtimes. What a matchup. What a day of RCST trivia. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We're going to get to our case of the Mondays, and then we'll have David Lesky of Inside the Crown joining us after that. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. No. No, man. Case of the Mondays here. We're going to be joined now, actually, by David Lesky at 5.05. So that'll come up a little later. Currently, Royals and White Sox are tied for all bottom of the eighth, and the Royals have the bases loaded. So kind of waiting to see uh, what all happens in that game before we bring David on. We are going to get to our Case of the Mondays here in a second. We uh, will have our NFL Monday overreactions after that. I do want to make a quick note of this. KU has landed a commitment from Kobe Baines, who is an offensive lineman from Louisville, entered the transfer portal. I don't know if he'll be immediately eligible because it was supposed to be by like May 1st or June 1st or something when the deadline was to enter, but also I'm pretty sure you can get waivers, which the NCAA seems to give out like their lollipops at a doctor's office. So <laughs> I would assume if he applies for one, he should be able to get one. I don't know that for sure. KU obviously needs more depth on the offensive line. That would be a pretty big pickup for KU if that does indeed happen okay with that being said nick cue the music let's get to our case of the mondays and by the way you know who's not having a case of the mondays udonis haslam just signed a deal to or or he announced he's coming back to the heat for his 20th season age 42 he's played 68 games over the last six seasons he's getting paid he's getting floor side seats to nba games good for udonis haslam okay case of the mondays 
peacefully letting Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins talk up Tua. Because this has just been a disaster. It has been. I mean, I wonder if if how much of Tyreek Hill is sitting there or, or his agent or whoever is like, you know, maybe we should have taken a uh, a little less, a little less money to to stick with the Chiefs. Although there's another part of me where he's probably just like thinks that he's going to be more than I don't know. He's like the star of the show. I I don't know. And what's even worse about this is I don't know if you, I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen, but former K State quarterback Skylar Thompson has been actually. Kind of tearing it up in the preseason to the point where people are saying he should start over Tua. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a little bit of, you know, here locally. Twitter can be like an echo yeah. chamber in that the yeah. people you follow are going to be the ones you see stuff from. And it's like, I I wonder how many people from Miami are like, like actually, actually saying that. You know what I mean? <laughs> are actually like, yeah, Skylar Thompson. Right, right. Um, but this is what Jody Fortson said after the game, which I found very interesting because, again, remember, we played on Friday, like Mike McDaniel's talking about most accurate, catchable ball or whatever is what Tua throws. And we've heard Tyreek Hill a couple different times and a couple different media outlets talk about just how accurate of a passer Tua is and everything. So this is what Jody Fortson said. Patrick is just one of the greats. I feel like he has the best accuracy in the NFL. Especially on that second TD. I don't know how he got in there, but he did. The first, he just did a great job putting the ball where only I can get it. I've got the best QB in the NFL. Do you think that was sub-commenting, sub-tweeting by Jody Fortson? Um, I think it definitely could be viewed that way. But also, I am way more inclined to believe somebody saying Patrick Mahomes is the most accuracy in the NFL over yeah. somebody saying Tua is. So maybe you know he could just very well just be saying this. You know? uh, but I think it could go either way. And, yeah, I mean, I, we had this on the lie detector test, and same deal. I mean, who's the most accurate QB in the NFL, Tua mm. or Patrick Mahomes? Mm. I'm going I'm I'm yeah. to take Patrick Mahomes. I think I know which way I'm leaning on that one, and it's uh, exactly. a little bit more than a lean, to say the least. Okay, how about uh, Kamaru Usman, who was known as maybe the best pound-for-pound fighter in UFC, and he goes into his matchup against Leon Edwards over the weekend, kind of stunts him a little bit, seemed to be solidly winning the match headed into the fifth and final round seemingly injured Leon Edwards and then all of a sudden one kick to the face bam and Edwards is now the welterweight title winner it is the fourth latest finish of a UFC title fight it snapped Usman's 15 match win streak it was one off of Anderson Silva's record it also is just the second Usman loss of all time and it's the first time he's ever been knocked out what do you think getting knocked out feels like? <laughs> That's a great question. I've never been knocked out, no, so not, I don't, I don't know I. the answer to that. Um, I don't know if it feels like much at all. I That's think true. You're just I mean, out, you're right? just, yeah, you just everything goes black. And then when you wake up, you probably feel horrible. <laughs> that would be my guess. I don't know. Do you want to try it? Do you want to like, run not, into a wall or uh, something? <laughs> you know, as much Test as it. I love pounding my head against brick <laughs> walls for fun, <laughs> I don't want to knock myself out. <laughs> well, this is one of the cool things about UFC, this idea that like, it literally just takes one shot. You don't yeah. get that in any other sport. Um, and I'm not part of the people who's like, oh, it's the best sport in the world because of this. But, like, in the NFL, the Chiefs could be up 38 nothing. There is no play for the other team to be like, hey, if we do this play and score on this, it's worth 39 points. There's no play in the NBA where you're down 10 and there's an 11-point shot. There's no hit in the MLB that you're down 7 and that home run is worth 8 runs. They're not plays like that. That is what's different about, and this is fighting in general with boxing or UFC. Yeah. 
you are always you you could be getting your butt kicked for 12 rounds if it's a 12 round boxing match you are always just one play you're always just one punch you're always one hit away from literally winning the game and, and there's there's something kind of cool about that and different yeah i mean you got the old saying puncher's chance yeah right? you always you always got a puncher's chance in, in a boxing or a ufc match and and yeah right there uh leon edwards i saw the video it, it looked it looked pretty bad it looked like he got him pretty square <laughs> with the kick to the face yeah that probably doesn't feel right okay yeah. uh case the mondays for the producers of the masked singer so explain you, okay. you were telling me about this yes. over the weekend please explain okay this. so various people via reddit and other areas of the internet have connected some dots to suggest that tom brady the reason for tom brady's recent absence from the bucks training camp is that he is off filming the masked singer mm. now here here let me give you some background here we knew Months in advance, Tom Brady knew months in advance, it was reported that he was going to miss some time during training camp, right? Tom Brady just signed a contract with Fox Sports over the mm. offseason. With Fox. Guess where the Masked Singer gets aired? On Fox. And for those of you that don't understand the premise of Masked Singer, maybe, maybe if you're a sports person, you don't care about the Masked Singer. The Masked Singer is essentially where somebody comes out, a celebrity comes out wearing a mask, and they <laughs> lip sync they lip sync a song, mm-hmm. and then the, the, the panel of judges then guess who the celebrity is, right? Okay, and so I've been never other, seen the show. I always thought they were actually singing. Well, I mean, I the think they, I think they do sing, but I think, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure honestly. Uh-huh. I don't really watch the show either. But also, Antonio Brown has been on the mask really? before. Yes, Antonio Brown, and there was another football player that's also been on it before. Okay, besides Tom Brady. So Gronk, I thought Gronk. Might it was have been Gronk. On it. Okay. Yes, Gronk. So yes, all Gronk and Antonio box. Brown. Yes, just filmed in Florida. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But anyways. That's the that is the theory, and if you're a producer for the Masked Singer waking up this morning, this is just a PR nightmare. I mean, the whole point of the show is secrecy, and you've got some super sleuths on Reddit uh, that love football that say, "Where's Tom Brady?" Connect some dots, boom, he's on the Masked Singer. So, I mean, I guess time will tell. Obviously, eventually, the Masked Singer will have to air their episodes, mm-hmm. and we will actually find out if it's true, if if indeed it was Tom Brady. The reason he was away from training camp was to film the mass singer. It's just wild because, like, you don't think of, and, and all those things line up because it's like, yes. why else would Tom Brady be gone? And it would be, I don't know. I guess there could be something, and you hope not, like a, a tragedy, or, tragedy or something in your family that you don't want it getting out. And, but see, and, they knew. But this was it was reported months in advance that he was going to miss time during training camp. This is this was not yeah. something that happened like spontaneously. This was planned. So it's just like all those dots line up that this has to be it. It's just <laughs> weird because. It almost makes too much sense. It does. It makes too much yes. sense. And it's just like, you think of Tom Brady, you think of this guy who's just like always ultra prepa- prepared and like is never going to give up the preparation period of a season. And if that is true, it's just, it, it's hilarious to me. It is. <laughs> what, what if it's something where like he signed up to do it before he decided to return to like the NFL? Was, like when he was retired. Yeah. And it was okay, like yeah. a foolproof contract. It was like, if you don't do this, like we're going <laughs> to sue you and you lose your entire NFL contract this year. He's like, well, crap. I guess I gotta do it. Like, <laughs> what else do you want me to do? Uh, that, man, that's yeah. funny. I hope that is uh, what ends up happening. But yeah, we'll, honestly, have, we'll have to keep an eye on that. I'm if, gonna have to actually start watching the Masked Singer this season. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, if, if that's the thing, there's probably so many people who are gonna make that exact comment where they're like, I was never gonna watch it, but now I gotta see. That's it. true. I gotta see if Tom Brady's okay. Here. So, maybe, so maybe it's not a case of the Mondays. No. It's a case of wow, we're gonna get a whole yeah. new audience. Because think about the crossover between mm-hmm. NFL watchers. And the mass singer audience. <laughs> probably probably not a ton of crossover there. No. 
but they might get some now. No, maybe I. Yeah, maybe this is case of the Mondays for whatever show would be on at the same time competing on a national network. Yeah. they're like, uh oh, we're going to yeah. lose out on viewerships. Okay, yeah. last one. Lawrence traffic. Students are back. School started today, I believe. They all moved yep. in over the weekend. You cannot draw, drive on Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were avoid out of town. at all costs. You, you were out of town over the weekend, but I was here, and trust me, it, it was uh, it was tough. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you know, Mass Street, Iowa Street, yep. it's all uh, avoid at all costs for me, at least for the first uh, couple days. You know, I'll just stay down here over on, I don't know where our station's located, if this is considered like Central Lawrence or West Lawrence or what, but yeah, yeah, I, uh-huh. I don't want to deal with the traffic. It's too much. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our case of the Mondays. We'll get to our NFL Monday overreactions after this. It's RCST. Or... But it's that time on a Monday to overreact to things. We get to our NFL Monday overreactions now on the show. Chiefs looked good in preseason football on Saturday. Two more touchdowns from the first string offense. I don't even know. This might not be an overreaction. You tell me. The Chiefs offense will be better than it was last season. Listen, I saw you put this on the list, Mm -hmm. and I was going to put that they're going to be the best offense Mm. of all time. That's my overreaction. They're going, to be, they're going to be by far the best offense in the NFL. And maybe all time. Maybe all time. In terms of whatever whatever advanced metric you want to look so at. So like points EPA, per game, yards. Point per game, okay. yards, well, if whatever. We, if we just start with last year, they were fourth in points per game at 28.2. Oh, they're going to be number one for sure. Let's see. By total yards, they were third. But they still weren't the those back-to-back seasons. They weren't the number one defense. Twenty nineteen or, or number one offense. Um, I don't even know if they were number one in twenty nineteen when they won the Super Bowl. But also Patrick Mahomes was hurt for some of those games. So that matters. Yeah, they were fifth. Twenty eighteen. You have to go back to when they were number one. So you think they're gonna at the very least like be the best offense in the yes. NFL? I think they're gonna be one in yards and points per game. Now the bad news is. Their run game stinks, so they're not going to be number one in the rush. <laughs> but they can be number one in the Maybe pass. that'll help them be number one in total yards because they'll have to they'll pass have to throw all the time. You get more yards yeah. per pass than you do yards per rush. Yeah. And I don't I don't know the stats on like all-time great offenses. Mm-hmm. Put them up there. For the I mean, season. you have, just you have right like, what, 07? Just right in Tyreek Hill's face. Yeah, right 07 Patriots are up there. The uh, Broncos team with Peyton Manning when he... Yeah, the 55. Yeah, touchdown. broke the, the touchdown record. 2018 Chiefs are certainly up there. Like there, there's gotta a lot of good offenses up be. there. Um, so yeah, maybe this will be the best iteration of that Chief. But I, I definitely think it'll be better than it was last season, with especially some of the turnover stuff they had. I, I don't think they'll have as yeah. much of that this season. Yeah. How about this one? John Gruden should be fired all over again. Um, so <laughs> at the UFC event that happened over the weekend, Dana White, who's the president and everything of the UFC, was. Just being kind of interviewed by the roundtable of guys who were there. And Rob Gronkowski was on the TV, and, and he started getting talking about how, you know, I almost came to Las Vegas and because of Dana White. And he's like, Dana, I want you to tell the story. And <laughs> I, I love that he actually told the story and didn't, you know, pull anything back or, or whatever. But he basically said that he had it lined up for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to come to Las Vegas. And then he, he had kind of brokered the deal for everything to happen there. And then John Gruden just last minute like nicks the deal. He was like, no, I don't want to do it. Now, if you remember, there was about a year ago, this 
I, I guess I shouldn't say it's a clip because it was actually like a full episode of something, but it got clipped and became kind of viral on, on sports social media. Tom Brady appeared on an episode of LeBron James's like HBO TV show, uh, The Shop. I think it's HBO. And he's interviewing him and he was like, yeah, when I was a free agent, you know, there's this one place that I almost went to. And then they were like, no, we're going to keep our current guy. And I was like, that MFR turns out Derek Carr. That was Derek Carr. Because the Raiders <laughs> could have had Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and John Gruden decided to keep Derek Carr. So fire him all over again. I do want to explore down this rabbit hole, though, of like, uh, let's, you know, let's, let's change up the history here. Tom Brady now goes to the Raiders. Who knows where Derek Carr goes? I would imagine the Raiders would have been able to get at least... I don't know, like a second-round pick for him or something? Maybe well, even a first-round pick. In my mind, why wouldn't Derek Carr just go to the Bucks at that point? Mm. I, I don't think he was a free agent. I think oh, he would have been. But maybe the Bucks at that point, because the Bucks obviously needed a quarterback. Yeah. So that would have yeah. actually made sense. Maybe yeah. Derek Carr ends up as a uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So let's, let's say that happens. Let's say Derek Carr is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yep. Tom Brady is a Las Vegas Raider. Let's start with the AFC West. Do the Chiefs win the AFC West the last two seasons? Yeah, as you were kind of delineating this question I was in my head I was thinking is this would this be a better or worse outcome for the Chiefs right. because on one hand they get smashed by the Bucks in the Super Bowl yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand Tom Brady in the same division as Mahomes like what, what, which yeah. is worse it's like in a vacuum they they beat the Buccaneers without Tom Brady but it's probably but not the, even the, the Bucks Buccaneers probably wouldn't even, yeah they wouldn't even they wouldn't earn the Super Bowl yeah, yeah playing the Packers at that point yeah, maybe. Would not or I don't know maybe the Saints would have not lost to the Bucks in the division round maybe the Saints beat the Packers in the NFC Championship game that year and yeah. then you also have the standpoint where it's like okay but the Chiefs hosted the AFC Championship game because what if they, they don't win the their Raiders. division yeah. right what if they yeah. don't win their division because Tom Brady and the Raiders ends up winning the division that, if Tom Brady had actually gone to the Raiders that would have been like just the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to me. Does, I would have been into, I would have been depressed forever. Okay, so what do you think is more likely? Do you think it's more likely if, if Tom Brady's with the Raiders? Is it more likely that Patrick Mahomes has a second Super Bowl ring, or is it more likely that Tom Brady does not have his seventh? Oh, that's not where, where that's not where I thought you were going with that. I mm. thought I thought you were going to say is it more likely that Patrick Mahomes has two Super Bowl rings or zero? Because I, I I would say zero. Well, no, he still, he still was um, – the first Super Bowl would have been before Brady left the Patriots. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 So, yeah. I don't think it would have impacted the first. It would have okay. – because the first year well, he was saying, with the Buccaneers. I, 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 I mean, dude, I, I got to say Brady. Like, you have to. Have to. It's just tough because when I think about that Super Bowl, I don't – I don't think – like, Tom Brady was good. Don't get me wrong. He was efficient. He did everything he needed to do. But I don't think about that game as like, oh, Tom Brady just – absolutely dominated this game. I, I think about it as like the Buccaneers defense dominated that game. The yeah. Chiefs had no offensive line and that was the reason why they lost that game. Yeah. So I'm not sure that if if Tom Brady's on a Raiders team, which it's not like the Raiders have had a good defense the past couple of years, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not so sure that the Chiefs still aren't winning the division and everything over them, but maybe the Raiders take an extra game off the Chiefs both years. Maybe the Chiefs get a different seed. Maybe they get different matchups. Maybe they're not hosting some of these playoff games that could be a little different. I would give anything, literally anything, for the Raiders to never win a Super Bowl. Ever again. <laughs> I would give anything. Name Dude, your by, price. By the way, if Hunter Renfro is paired with Tom Brady, Hunter Renfro is already a very good receiver. Like, 
no need to mix that up. But if Hunter Renfro is paired with Tom Brady, you know, or he's Hall of Fame track, right? <laughs> I mean, like, that's the yeah. perfect, like, white guy slot receiver for yeah. Tom Brady right there. Dead serious. I would give anything <laughs> for the Raiders to never win a Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, next up, Randy Moss has to have all his stats and records vacated because his son tainted his good name. He uh, threw what many are calling a dirty block. That was like a cut block right to the knee of Kayvon Thibodeau, causing an injury to Thibodeau. It sounds like he's not going to be out super long, which is a good thing. Three then, to four weeks. And this was funny. This was just like the classic social media where you get half the people are like, this is the dirtiest thing ever, yeah. you know, banned, exiled, <laughs> uh, whatever, excommunicated. And then you have the the reaction to that where people are being like, literally in the rule book, this is a legal play. What do you yeah. want him to do? Yeah. But I, I think we can all agree Randy Moss, for his son's actions, has to lose all his records. Yeah, this is a classic case of the social media reaction being swift and extreme. <laughs> and then over the next day or so, mm-hmm. everyone proceeds to slowly walk back their position. Right. And I think if you wanted to be like, hey, this should not be a legal play. Okay, I can probably get on board with that. Like, why are yeah. we allowing blocking where listen, it's... As the resident tiny little guy, okay, um, how, how else do you expect me to block? I mean, listen, in the Chiefs game, Jarek McKinnon tried to block an edge rush, and he got yeah, just destroyed. That's true. He got obliterated like five yards off the off the ball. Yeah, that's true. Like, how, else, also... how else are you supposed to have a realistic shot of, like, stopping Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack if they coming at you? If they do get rid of that, I wonder how much that would affect like triple option teams. Because that's like all they do. You know what yeah, I mean? Like Air yeah. like Air Force and Navy and Army, they're not recruited because they're they're all people who are joining the army and they have to be in good shape. So they don't have a six foot five, three hundred and twenty pound offensive tackle. They have True. six foot two, two hundred and forty pound offensive guards, but they cut block you. Yeah. I wonder how that would affect that. Uh Isaiah Likely is the reason Coastal Carolina was so good. That might be a college football Monday overreaction, but so yeah. far in his NFL preseason, through two games, he's been targeted 12 times. He has 12 receptions, 144 yards, and a touchdown. He is ranked third amongst all preseason players in receptions and receiving yards. He's ranked number one in total yards after the catch. Isaiah Likely, best player on that Coastal Carolina team. Yeah, Grayson McCall who? Yeah. Get out of here. No, I think this likely. is I think <laughs> I think this is a great take because yeah he's 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 having a great preseason mm-hmm. and he seems like he's going to be a viable NFL player and if you were to look at that entire Coastal Carolina roster how many of those guys are going to be making the NFL and be successful probably not very many I'm abs- I'm absolutely all on board with this best tight end in the NFL would you go that far second best okay I, I can't I can't I can't say best <laughs> over <laughs> Kelsey. <laughs> Second best. I'll go second best. Oh, so second best is reasonable. The first <laughs> oh, absolutely. Is not. Okay. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> last one. It is a good thing Jamar Chase decommitted from Kansas because he wouldn't have been able to surpass Kwame Lassiter and wouldn't have had as high of a, a draft stock than he did playing with LSU because Kwame Lassiter on the same team as Jamar Chase had seven catches for 91 yards in the preseason last week or, or yesterday, I should say. That's more than Jamar Chase has the entire preseason combined. Also, remember last preseason, Jamar Chase was like, I can't see the ball. He's having all these drop issues. You know who's not having that? I will say on that point of Mm -hmm. Jamar Chase having all these drop issues, that actually benefited me personally significantly Mm. because I was able able to draft Jamar Chase in like the seventh round, (laughs) and I ended up winning my fantasy league because of it. So 
Shout out Jamar Chase for, I don't know if that was real or fake, but it was awesome because mm. it led me win my fantasy league. But anyways, this is totally true, by the way. Kwame Lasseter is the GOAT, and mm-hmm. also he's going to be Rookie of the Year, and here's mm. why. Lance Leipold disclosed that Joe Burrow really likes Kwame Lasseter. So, once the season gets started, why wouldn't you throw to the guy that you like? You're going to throw it to who you like? Kwame Lasseter, Rookie yeah. of the Year. Book it. I, I love it. You know what's, what's crazy? And if you would have told KU fans this, I don't know, two, three years ago, that because obviously it's it's a little different. Puka Williams with the Bengals, they were trying to use him as like a receiver and they'd kind of moved his position and everything. And he got cut like a week ago. And, and obviously uh, it's not every part of that, but a portion of that is because you have a guy like Kwame Laster, undrafted free agent, come in and perform well. And so Kwame is ahead of Puka on the depth chart at receiver. And so that is part of the reason why Puka gets cut at the end of the season. If you would have told Kansas fans four or five years ago when Puka was having that amazing freshman season or even his sophomore year and Kwame Lasseter was like a special teams player, rotational <laughs> receiver, that Kwame Lasseter was going to be the reason that Puka Williams gets cut from an NFL roster, you would be like, what are you on? Yeah, that would be that would be some kind of weird right. like mishmash of, you know, you're just pulling names out of the hat. Right. This person's going to make this person get cut. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Those are our Monday overreactions here in the NFL. Let's get to some David Lesky of Inside the Crown, talking Royals with David on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Two hours down, one to go. Welcome back in. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. And joined now by David Lesky, pushed back a little bit today to 5.05. Royals game running a little bit late, but, you know, they, they made the most of it as they come away with a 6-4 to victory over the Chicago White Sox, who they've played pretty well against this season. Uh, Drew Waters, who just got called up, that's obviously a, a big topic of notice, comes up with a pretty big at-bat there at, at the very end. So, David, thoughts on Drew Waters' debut with the Royals, thoughts on him being called up overall, and thoughts on Mike Matheny's, uh, I guess, prepared usage of Drew Waters' upcoming here? Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to get to that one. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was honestly surprised that, that Waters got called up because um, when they when they picked him up back, I guess, like a month and a half ago now, it was before the break, Um he, I, I, well, what, what I had been told was, and things can change, but what I had been told was they wanted him to work in the minors and get some time with Drew Saylor, um, Rusty Coons, just to, you know, get an idea where he is defensively. And they, they can scout, but it's, it's always easier to see up, up close and in person. Um, and, and he was great in the minors. I mean, he had a couple little mini slumps that he broke out of fast. Uh, um his strikeouts were still there, but he was working walks. He was stealing bases. He was using more power. I mean, everything was good. So, um, I, I guess, I guess he earned it, which which is great. Um, I was happy to see that he got the call. I was just a little bit surprised because I didn't expect it. But uh, you know, he gets up in a situation his first at bat. The, the Royals can never have easy first at bats for guys. I feel like he comes up bases loaded and one out as the ninth batter of a first inning. And he got a little aggressive, and he had a double, into a double play. But um, overall, ended up getting the game-winning RBI on a, on a really nice take. That I'm not 100 percent convinced he wasn't taking all the way with a guy who couldn't throw strikes. But um, still, he got he worked the walk with the bases loaded, and um, you know, hard, hard to uh, hard to argue with that debut. Now, 
with his usage, I, I'm sure he's a switch hitter. So um, I'm, I'm, I haven't really dug deep enough in to know where he's really better. You know, sometimes the numbers don't tell the truth uh, on on which side a switch hitter is better from. I think Kendrick Morales one year, who he, he, he would openly admit saying he wasn't as good from the right side, had better numbers from the right side. So I think that um, – I haven't dug into that, but I'm sure he'll he'll pinch hit in a situation that doesn't make any sense at some point. And, um, I can get angry about that then. That 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 <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to most now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, lineup. Uh, I don't know. Li- lineup Twitter can sometimes be a little too much for me, but when it's stuff like that, yeah. like I just I don't understand like well, I, uh, the the yeah. usage of why you would want to do that if you're Mike Matheny. I agree, and and. I agree. Line of Twitter can be <laughs> just like come relax. Chill, right. It's, it's like fine. there's 162 of these. If if they have one weird lineup, like it's it's not ideal, but it happens. Yes, and and the reality is too. The Royals. I, I don't. I mean, I, I wrote about this a few weeks ago, and the the names have changed a little bit. But there's nine guys that can go in a lineup, and they're trying to get 11 or 12 guys in every day. <laughs> I mean, there's only the, the math doesn't work. It's it's the it's the square peg round hole thing. So. Uh, there's going to be guys who sit, and and I think that there are opportunities to pinch hit. My issue, like I wrote it about today, not the actual decision. I mean, I I don't like you know they've been pinching for Nick Prado um, when a, when a tough lefty comes in middle innings. The go to has been Brent Rooker, and okay, I don't like that. But then one day it wasn't, <laughs> and then. Um, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yesterday against Ryan Yarbrough, he destroys lefties, and he had a lineup with six lefties. If you want to get a look at the righty bats? That's the game to do it. <laughs> it's just, I just want some consistency in the message. I don't have to agree with it, and I, and I think back to like Ned Yost when when the Royals were young in 2011, 2012, even 2013 to some extent. It was not an approach I agreed with at the time. I wish I had because I could say that I'm smarter than everybody else and say, I told you, but I, I didn't. I was wrong. Um, but he, he stuck with the approach. <laughs> I mean, it was, if, if, the, if the, the game was in peril late in the game and Alcides Escobar came to bat, Alcides Escobar was going to hit. <laughs> just, just plain and simple. I hated it, but I, I was wrong. He was right. <laughs> and I, I just, I just want to see some consistency there with this is what we're going to do every single time. Not you know, when I feel like it'll do this because that, that just shows there's no plan and there's no preparedness. So that that's what bothers me about it. But you know what do they have? Forty games left. Um, I don't even know. I, I this is this is so weird. I usually know their record, and I I honestly don't. I think they're are they fifty and seventy four? Is that right? That I think that is sounds right. It's but see, now enough. you're making me they, question myself. Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm here because <laughs> we didn't get to talk last week, so I got to make up for some lost time making you question life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's 38 more games. Uh, we can all handle it, I think. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe is the key word there. Uh, so, Vinny Pascantino leaves the game with uh, a shoulder injury. I don't know what your thoughts on, on I, I don't know, I, I mean, it's seems like it's too early to tell on on what's going to come of that. But I guess first things first with uh, Vinny. Are you are you team Italian breakfast? Are you team Italian nightmare? Are you team Pasquatch? I've seen that one kind of circulating lately. Uh, can we, can we pick one nickname here? And what are you going with? I'm going with my crushing Vinny. Okay, that's a good one too. On. This is 
This is too easy, and people are making it so difficult. Billy Butler's got the <laughs> breakfast. Okay, you want to do Italian nightmare, whatever, but it's just kind of, eh, oh, cool, he's Italian. Congrats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pasquatch is, is pretty good, I have to say. But my crush and Vinny is just sitting there for everybody to take, and I don't see anybody but me taking it. And I, obviously I'm biased here, but it, that that's my vote. Okay, I will get on board with you. I, I I like that one a lot. My my other favorite of the the those other ones was Pasquatch, but I I like the the Crush yeah. and Vinny one. Who do you think you, you mentioned a name there, Billy Butler? Um, if I gave you Billy Butler, Eric Hosmer, Vinny Pascantino, when when all is said and done, the careers are over with, and and forget the team success. You know, obviously, if you're throwing in a World Series with Eric Hosmer, that might sway the vote a little bit here. But in terms of just individual success as a hitter. And and I guess if you want to add in the fielding side of it too, where Eric Cosmer obviously, you know, gold glove winner and everything. Which of those first basemen do you think has the best individual career? Butler's obviously already done at this point, at least with the Royals. Pascantino has everything in front of him. Does he have a chance to be better than both those guys? He has a chance. Um it's easy to take him because it's the unknown. And there's always Whatever you think he can be, maybe he can be even better than that mm-hmm. because we don't know yet. Um, but the thing that Pasquantino does, that Butler and Hosmer did too, actually, is they don't strike out. I mean, he, he makes contact. And the difference is while Eric Hosmer and Billy Butler had, I think, pretty good plate discipline, I wouldn't say great, but pretty good. I think Pasquantino had a great plate discipline. Um, and I also think he's just stronger, which, look, if, if Pasquantino came up 15 years ago when Butler did. Maybe he wouldn't have been as strong because conditioning was different and, and all this stuff. So it's not it's never a completely fair comparison. Um, but I just think he's a he's a bigger, stronger guy who makes louder contact and does a better job in the strike zone. Not not that they were bad <laughs> any stretch. I mean that. People kind of scoff at Eric Hosmer and and even Billy Butler to some extent because I think Billy Butler is criminally underrated by people. But you know that they they were good players for the Royals. <laughs> I think Pasquino has a really good shot to be better just because of all those things that he does. He does better than them. Which I, I mean that is saying something because like you said, I I'm very much on that that same team with Billy Butler and some of the numbers he put up and everything. It was funny, you know, before. Today happened. I was going to ask you, like, have you seen enough lately that could make you think Dylan Coleman would be the eventual closer? And then, uh, I don't know, roughed up a little bit in, in today's outing. Uh, do you think that overall, when you just look at this bullpen and that you're starting to see some of these former starters move to the bullpen, whether it's for short term or long term, I guess will remains to be seen with guys like Carlos Hernandez and whatnot. But is there like an avenue that's actually there to this being a really good bullpen maybe as soon as next season? I, I think there is, and, and part of it is just because bullpens can be so fickle that they can turn around really fast. Um, I mean, this was a pretty good bullpen last year. <laughs> it was a really good bullpen in 2020, so maybe this year's the outlier, right? I mean, that, that's certainly possible. Um, they they seem to be holding on to Scott Barlow. We'll, we'll see if he gets traded, but for right now, he's on the team, and he's under team control for what, two more seasons, is it? Three? No, two. Um, so he's, he's there. He's good. I think we can all agree that Scott Barlow is good. Um, and then you look at Dylan Coleman. Yeah, he, he got hit a little bit today. But that fastball and slider combination, 
he might struggle with strike throwing, although he hasn't really in the minors. So, you know, it could just be, hey, I'm getting my feet under me in my first big league season. I think he's a guy. I mean, I think he's, you know, in my opinion, he is probably the best bet to be the closer on a Royals playoff team moving forward. And I still believe that. I think that there's the stuff is there. I think Hernandez might be a reliever now. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to turn back on that. Um, I could be wrong. I just kind of get that sense. And and him, his issue is is similar to Coleman. It's control. But I mean, look, when he he's got that curveball, he's got a changeup too that we kind of forget about. He's got a few pitches he can go to. He doesn't have to be a five pitch pitcher in the bullpen, but he has five pitches he could look toward and say, "Hey, I don't, I don't feel my slider today. I'm going to go curveball. I don't feel my curve. I'm going to go slide. Whatever it might be, plus the 98 plus." So, I, I, I think there is a world where he turns into, you know, look, look at the Orioles, Felix Bautista, and <laughs> he's he's out there throwing 101. I think there's a world where Carlos Hernandez becomes the Royals version of Felix Bautista next season. It could happen. And look, Brad Keller's there. And I, I don't, I don't anticipate him. I, I think there's a pretty good shot he gets non-tendered in the in the offseason, depending on how he performs as a reliever the rest of the season. But if he's in the bullpen, I mean, we've seen what he can do out there as well. I mean, he looked really good. Is yesterday he went two innings? Hernandez went two, and, and Keller went two, and I think it was Saturday for Hernandez and Sunday for Keller. So yeah, um, I think there's a world where he's good. And Amir Garrett has been. <laughs> I mean, it's a roller coaster. He's been good. Since the break, he's a lefty. He's under team control. Richard Lovelady is going to come back at some point. I think probably. Soon. Well, I don't know. Maybe I think he went. I think he had the surgery in September. So maybe we won't see him in the minors even this year. But he'll be back next season. They're probably going to sign somebody. Um, I, yeah, there's a world. I don't, I'm not saying I'm predicting it, but there's a world that they could have a pretty good bullpen next season. Okay, you heard it right here. David is saying HDH redo as soon as <laughs> yeah, I'm yep. sure. <laughs> um, who do you think has a better chance of? Yeah, who do you think has a better chance of being on the Royals in 2023? Brad Keller or Mike Matheny? Brad Keller. Wow, that was quick. Um, yeah, well, so <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm being wishful here, um, but <laughs> we talked about this in like March when they picked up his contract. Maybe it was. I don't know when it was. It was around then. When they when they didn't pick up, when they didn't extend him, but they picked up his option for 2023. That tells me that they're not sold. That tells me that, hey, we need to see something in 2022 to, to give you an extension beyond your option year in 2023. And, look, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm way off here. But things I've heard are that they're not terribly thrilled with the way the clubhouse went, at least in the first half of the season. And a lot of that was the veterans. They're gone. Um, different clubhouse now. People have noted that. But I, had, I can't imagine that there are a lot of people really thrilled with the same things that I'm not thrilled with. You know, with the inconsistency and the messaging and the plan and all that. Um, at this point, it sort of feels like, hey, you're going to finish out this season and then that, we're going to see if you want to go to the front office role again because it just... It's not working, and and I think that um, I think there's a pretty good chance whoever they bring in, we have the same complaints about because most managers are the same. It is true. I mean, Kevin Cash, Chris Bubich struggles against uh, left-handed bats, and Kevin Cash, who's the reigning manager of the year in the American League, loaded the lineup with right-handed hitters against him. It worked. Um, you know, it, it worked out well. 
But that's not the way to approach Chris Boots. And Kevin Cash, who is, by many accounts, the best manager in the American League, did that. So even good managers are going are gonna to annoy everybody. But I, I don't know. I, I think there's a better chance that Brad Keller has a great 38-game stretch out of the bullpen and they say, fine, we'll go to arbitration with you one more time than there is Matheny against Zach. I, I think there's a chance they're both back. I think there's a chance they're both gone. But I think if, if one's back, I would, I would bet on Keller as of right this second. Okay, maybe we'll ask again in a few weeks if something happens. Um, I, I I thought of kind of a weird, fun hypothetical, uh, just just to ask you here. So, you can, as I don't know, you you have gained some sort of weird control. I I don't know how. Maybe you had a, a great lunch meeting with Rob Manfred or something, which I I know you would be very hesitant to accept that lunch meeting, but it went so well that Rob Manfred. Is he paying? I'll go. Yes, yes. He's you know five star restaurant. Yeah. Everything. It's great. Um, okay. Okay. Reluctantly. No, uh, he, he tells you that, you know, to help you out because you were such a good friend to him on this lunch, he is going to do you a solid to make the Royals, uh, a better team, more fun to cover, easier to watch, whatever it is. And he says that I will let you exchange one thing about the Royals with one thing of any other MLB team, except for ownership. So, like, you can't just be like, hey, Steve Cohen's the new owner, and now we're just, yeah, the Royals are going to have all this this money. But you can exchange anything else. You get one exchange. So you can either be like, hey, we get to exchange Ryan O'Hearn for Mike Trout, but you also have to look at, like, the ripple effects of that. If the Royals are spending that much on Mike Trout, what's the rest of the roster look like? Are they going to have to sell other players? I don't know. Uh, you can consider that. So you can do that. You can uh, have them exchange any manager, although I don't think – to the point you were just making, that would be the the case that you would go for. You could exchange Cal Eldred for someone else just to to get a new pitching coach in there. You could even exchange, if you wanted to, the left field wall at Kauffman Stadium for Fenway Park just to you know spice up what the park looks like and, I don't know, make uh, a more hitting environment or whatever you want. So you can exchange anything about the organization outside of the owner. What are you doing? I'm going long-term. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to exchange O'Hearn for Trout. I would love to. <laughs> I'm going to trade the Royals pitching development mm-hmm. for the Dodgers pitching development. Mm. And with with the way the Royals hitting development now, they haven't they haven't done it in the big leagues yet. I mean, we've seen bits and pieces of it, but I think most everybody feels pretty good about the way the Royals develop hitters now. I, I mean, we'll we'll see. It could end up falling on its face. We'll, we'll, we don't know yet. But if if that feels good, <laughs> and then you can bring over the way the Dodgers do it on the pitching side, which by the way they pretty much they created the Royal team development for the Dodgers team development too when they brought over some Dodgers guys. So maybe they've already done this a little bit. But if they can develop pitchers the way the Dodgers do, and sorry Los Angeles, you've just gotten your whole system destroyed by the Royal pitching development. Um, <laughs> but if they can do that, it becomes a long term game where. I, 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 there are the, the Royals would probably if, if they could develop pitchers like that would become one of the model organizations. So yeah, that that's an easy answer. Um, it doesn't necessarily pay dividends immediately, but once it starts paying dividends, it won't stop. Yeah, I mean that's a good one. You just think about all the pitchers they've had. Like they're constantly drafting in the late first round, and you get Walker Bueller up, or just the guys they trade, like Mitch White, even becoming something good, or Tony well, Gonsolin, an All Star. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's a good it's a good good mix of pitchers there. <laughs> okay, uh, before we let you go, as is tradition, who is the player of the week? If you want to do the last two weeks since you were on vacation, uh, you can do that as well. Well, so I was I was thinking about that, and um, if it's the last week, is Brady Singer hands down? If it's two weeks, it's between Singer and Vinny. Um, and I want to give a co-award because Vinny Pasquantino has five home runs the last two weeks. And granted, they were all, you know, between we took the time we talked two weeks ago and, and um, Monday. But still, he has five home runs the last two weeks. I want to give a co-award because I think maybe that might help Vinny's shoulder heal. He needs the award to, to gain power back. Okay. I think that's good. Do you allow, do you allow it? I mean, yes. I, I, you know, you're, you're yes. the arbiter here. No, I, I, I think that's good. I, I like that. Okay. Perfect. I feel good about that then. Okay. <laughs> I feel great. I feel great about it. Well, David, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, hope you had a good vacation last week. Glad you're back in the fold, and we're excited to talk to you next week about uh, whatever happens the rest of this week. Obviously, off to a good start for the Royals this week after beating the White Sox earlier today. You can check out his work at Inside the Crown. David, appreciate it as always, man. Yep, thanks, Eric. All right, that's David Lusky of Inside the Crown. Joining us here today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.